Gabe here. What's up, Drew? Hey. Welcome to How College Works. So we are in the spring semester. Yes. Yay. Week, week four. <laughs> week four. We, we happen to be on like a really cold day where Melody and I are. Yes. Uh, Drew, I keep getting messages from Drew in California like, what is snow? <laughs> We're in a polar vortex. You don't even know right now. It's, it's 50 out here, oh, you know, it's kind of cold. <laughs> <laughs> Drew, had to, Drew had to break out the fleece. Oh my god, fleece. No, that's a lie. I'm wearing a polo right now. <gasps> <laughs> We're like in layers. I have, I have a nice thick wool sweater on. Yeah, I'm loving it. Uh, but that's not why our listeners are here. <laughs> For our sartorial. Maybe they want to know more about your layered look. I don't know. That's a different podcast. <laughs> So, it, so we've had, you know, Melanie and I have been having some discussions about some of the things our, our students are, are bringing up at this point. And it seems like a good time to take a couple of those and to go back through them and to reframe kind of what we think is going on in terms of like why these re- requests or demands are, are coming and sort of how this, how again, how college is different than high school. and. Uh, how these how these expectations are different. Yeah. So that makes yeah. Makes, Although yeah. I'm sure my interpretation is not nice all the time. I mean, so I have a cold. I'm a little tired. My ability to assume the best intentions decreases yeah. <laughs> the more tired I am. You know, and so it's. Uh, and it I is can understand cold. That. It's cold. It's after energy. I feel you. Yeah. But I'm here. Let's do it. <laughs> so. Drew is wearing a polo. I'm wearing a sweater. It's cold. The public schools yes. in our town are closed today. Cold day. And yesterday, my students were like, "Will will classes be canceled tomorrow?" I was okay. like, mm, "Highly unlikely." I'm gonna say no. I said no. <laughs> I said no. Yeah. We're a residential campus, and a small one at that. So yeah, it's not, it's like not they long have to hike, like, two miles to, do, to go anywhere. And so we're like, uh. And, and it's flat. Y- yes. And there's up. no ice. It's just cold. It is just, I mean, it is sunny outside, but it is cold. So, yeah. And so there's the expectation. Did you have class this morning? Yeah. Were they complaining about it? Uh, one student did. Oh, I had several. <laughs> I can't believe we're here today, and I'm so like... Much, I have so much to say on this topic, though. Yeah. Okay, I mean, <laughs> Drew, you want to jump in? <laughs> I told him to put on a scarf and shut up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, that may not have been the most compassionate reply, but no, it's adequate. I didn't I mean, know compassion was my goal. Sorry. No, it's, I, I don't think it is. And, and that's the thing. So, in, in one sense, like, when, when in, in K-12, when students come in and say, oh, why do we have homework? This is just their, this is just their like, reflex base level response of like, <clears throat> hey, uh, you guys have to finish reading chapter three. Why? Well, you don't even have to, as a teacher, K-12, you don't even really have to reply to that. You could let that float away because it's just a, it's a re- conditioned reflex response for a student to say, why? And sometimes that's a legit <clears throat> information question and it, re- and it, re- it you know, it, a, a, an information re- response would be adequate. And But if it's, you know, if it's one of these types of things like, oh, um, we're reading chapter three today. Why? I don't even have to re- respond to that, really, for, for, the, for the high school level kids where it's just like, um, you know, it starts on page 10. My, <laughs> my reply is like, keep going, right? 
um, and I just ignore it and let it float away because it's it's not really connected to the reality that's happening in the room. It's just this, like, they don't know why they're saying it. It's just a reflexive response. So sometimes some of these little complaints that we're talking about, why don't we have a snow day or a cold day? Because. I don't know. Oh, well. Yeah. Right? I... And, and you just keep moving on. And, and that, that um, is, is a perfectly adequate response because, and, and here's the other pieces I'm thinking of when I, when I hear you guys um, bring this up, is that the assumptions of students in a K-12 system where they're not culpable for education decisions, um, the teacher has to be by, by the way I understand the legal requirements. It's like I'm in charge of the classroom and the education decisions. I can't pretend like my 16-year-old or 15-year-old student decided to not do work and that's somehow okay and then oh well i'm gonna blame the kid for deciding not to learn today it's really on me and if they make a bad decision i have a uh, responsibility to make a better decision for them educationally right you're Um, like i mean i think as you have said like you're basically the you're you're a parent or you're you're in the parental role the same way like i can't let my seven-year-old son make all the he's seven now make all all his own decisions because i know that's not going to be good i i have to force the decision and that's not to say that you take every bit of responsibility and decision making from the student but you do have to you know you're being a professional it's it's like a fiduciary you know Mm -hmm. um responsibility with somebody's money it's this is i have Um, that type of relationship with their education decisions i'm going to jump in real quick here yeah. For listeners who do not know what fiduciary means, yeah. it means that somebody who is oper- who is working for me in a financial capacity is legally obligated to make decisions that are best for me and not for them. Right. Yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, and that that's the way I feel my my professional credentialed education decisions have to be made in a classroom is that I've got the curriculum at my fingertips and the content knowledge and I'm you know sanctioned by the state to do these to make these decisions in the classroom each day um, and I'm making decisions for the student and not for like what feels most comfortable for me today hey guys we're gonna roll find a Nemo movie because um, I'm having a bad day that's you know that's abdicating my my responsibility of education decisions you know certainly because i think finding dory would be a better choice absolutely, absolutely. and you know and maybe if i'm in spanish class i roll it in spanish and play the subtitles that would be a probes and that would be stretching it but not a spanish teacher but anyway, also, so I, I think that that's the kind of thing that's that's coming forward is when the state decides or the city or the you know whatever decides schools closed for tornadoes, schools closed for bad weather, for storms, for flash flood, for it was smoke days out here in California in, in the fall um, because of air quality, uh, and that's a legit thing. Like we can't, you know, we're not in charge of getting everybody necessarily per se from their door to our school door. And so we can't control that. And the air quality inside this school building, we're going to be trapped inside and everybody. So they make these decisions with public health and with the knowledge that we're trying to decide what's safest and best for our students. Conversely, um, the, for, know, the for college is yeah. you're, you're, you've self-selected to apply, to join, to show up to class, to pick this class and not that class, to pick 8 a.m. and not 9 a.m., to pick, you know, to pick nursing and not... Uh, teaching and you've self-selected these things and the presumption is if it's too cold for you to get out of your house 
what do you do? You call the professor and say, I'm not coming today. And that's an adult decision where you understand the ramifications and the, and the consequences of the decision, and it's best and safest for you. And that's laid on top of you as an adult. And the same if I'm sick. It's basically that level of decision. So if these kids wanted to have these, uh, sorry, these adult students that you're teaching wanted to have a cold day on Wednesday, they could have easily just had a cold day and missed the day of instruction. But that doesn't mean that you're stopping instruction. So I, maybe I've oversimplified it, but that's that's my thoughts on it. I mean, I mean, I, I don't know how complex we can get into it here, but I think that's right, is that where the high school administration, school board makes a call on health and safety, that now falls to each individual within the class. If you're... If you're coughing up blood, Ew. maybe like maybe don't go to class. Maybe, well, maybe the appropriate the response. Times when I'm allowed to kick you out as a teacher, like I, I can't kick kids out of, I can't send students home uh, unless they're throwing up or have a fever, and then of course blood because that's a public health. Then yeah. then I actually can send you home. And some students are like, hey, am I allowed to go home? And I'm like, well, no, only mom can send you home unless you're throwing up and have a fever. Hold on, give me a second. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, you can make that decision to not come, and I've, you know, spoken to some of my students periodically, like, you have a highly infectious disease, you have strep throat. It, I would appreciate it if you do not come to my class, yeah. you know, and like, and that's a, that's a different thing. I also have a different attendance policy for most of my classes, where most of my classes that are just me in physics, astronomy, like, I'm not taking attendance for your grade. You know, and I do teach classes like the first year writing seminar where there is an attendance policy, but those four misses are there for if you're like, no, really. Four strep throat. You know, four strep throat. You're like, yeah, burn one for strep throat. Or it's a supremely cold day today, and you came from Florida, and you literally have only T-shirt and shorts and sandals. Right. It's like, yeah, maybe today, because it would be dangerous for you to be spending a lot of time outside, maybe stay in if you can't borrow clothes from, you know, a roommate or something. And, and then spend the day getting I, some clothes. <laughs> I question how you've made it to January in, uh-huh. <laughs> in from Florida with no clothing, but, uh, you know, okay. Uh, I mean, it's been an unseasonably cool winter this year, but sometimes it's like 50, you know, and you're wearing a polo, so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, and so this, this responsibility and who is in charge of things, I think, carries into a little bit something that Melody had mentioned, which was, uh, about students like preferred learning styles or instruction modes. Ah, you know, topic <laughs> Yeah, a little bit, yeah, in that, you know, in high schools, like, to say this, I don't like this, it needs to change, you know, can be an effective mode of managing your experience in a classroom to say that to a, to a teacher or to an administrator. Uh, a, that they don't have, you don't have that kind of control anymore B, you know, having worked at, a, at a, a teaching and learning lab at MIT where they, like, people steeped in the actual research in terms of learning styles and stuff like that, you know, there have been meta-studies about, uh, that means studies that look at all the studies that have been done <laughs> on learning styles, and the result is that there's no evidence that... They don't even call them learning styles anymore. I, yeah, it's been a while. Learning preferences. Learning preferences. So if you are taught in your learning preference, that there, there is no... Uh, correlation to increased learning for you. There are, uh, you know, when I was more steeped in in this sort of thing, there are modes of, of instruction for, say, physics, because that's, you know, what I teach, 
that are correlate to better learning outcomes, students learning more, retaining better. Are, I, just, I kind of want to interject this sure. for a little bit of a history. Maybe the listeners or the students don't don't um, are like fully informed. I don't know that I'm fully informed either. But back when we started teaching, um, when I started teaching anyway, th there was the buzzword and the kind of flavor of the month that was, and it was strong and it lasted for a long time of this learning styles and kinesthetic learning and mm -hmm. moving tiles around physically and visual learning was color coding all your stuff and highlighters and. Um, Auditory learning was, you know, more lecture mode and listening, and and um, and they had eight or so. Musical was one of those learning mm -hmm. styles, and this was a very big um, push. And research was done around it. And at this point, now we're ten years, you know, or fifteen beyond it, and it and it's been debunked. And maybe debunked is a strong word, but it's basically yes, there is no connection to like better outcomes or learning um, results based on this theory that, that there's different uh, learning modes. And that's not to say you can't throw some uh, you know, physical tiles in your math class in elementary. I think that's, well, that's brilliant. Certainly shifting modes of instruction helps maintain focus. You know. But the thing that I ran into when I first started teaching was you know, I was using best practices in terms of getting, doing stuff that would lead to good outcomes for my students. Yeah. They didn't like it. <laughs> They, it wasn't what they're comfortable with, and so I got a lot of pushback, you know, saying. So the trouble, the trouble with this, to me, seemed to be that everybody, the teachers included, but parents, uh, most problematically, I think, would would get a half idea of what this research said, mm -hmm. and kind of not fully. Again, I don't fully understand it either because I didn't read all of the original round of research. But to say like, oh well, my son or myself are visually visual learners. And then they would hang their hat on this, and Johnny OneNote, um, oh, well, I'm a visual learner, so the reason I got a B and not an A is because my teacher wasn't teaching visual stuff to me and there wasn't enough color coding. Like, like somehow adding highlighters to my instruction was going to give you an A. And, and that, that became this little tagline at every meeting that we had about scoring and grading was like, well, did you, did you, um, did you do visual grading for Johnny and, or visual in instruction for Johnny and kinesthetic instruction for Jane and da da da, and you know each parent would come and make a, a strong. I'm I'm again I'm oversimplifying the, the story of it over 10 15 years, but mm -hmm. the parents would come and, and give a strong complaint over this was unfairly scored and my the score doesn't reflect my student's learning because he wasn't instructed in visual style or or prefer learning preference style and that became problematic. Right. Well, and that, and that kind of thing is still around and like... Yeah, so if you're thinking like 10 or 15 years ago, our, that's when our students were like... So if they're like 18-ish now, like that's when they started school, you know, you know, pre-K and all that stuff. And then if they're, you know, like if they're in elementary school and they're taking these little like learning styles assessments and that, that kind yeah, of it's stuff. Yeah, it's just, it's in the culture, it's in the air, yeah. you know, and, it, and it's... Um, but then it comes to here is all like, well, I didn't, I didn't like this. You need to change it. I'm like, I, um, those are two different things. Yeah. And, well, and not again, related. I, I that's where the the real answer that's kind of harsh is probably that no, you don't need to change it as a professor at college instructing. Now, as a teacher, you know, um, this kind of. Um, feedback would come to the teacher and I'm being polite it's feedback <laughs> yeah. and 
and we would have to show we have this uh, we have this mandate to to show that we're you know applying learning and growth to these students and so if the complaint has been brought by whoever it wasn't always apparent maybe it was a school psychologist or a special ed case manager or something and say like hey i want to advocate for my student you know the learning style is visual are we are we addressing this in in instruction and here's these you know let's do these other let's try these other interventions that that are that are addressing visual learning or kinesthetic learning for the student and so we had this uh, kind of mandate and it was followed through on pretty high up to address it and change what we instructed so i i think that that's the water that that we lived in uh for the longest time was like Yes, we have to make a change when somebody brings up that that they think the reason they're not achieving uh, at the at, at their highest possible is because of learning style. You know, then we have to change that instruction or somehow show that we've done an intervention for it. But that's also because K-12 is compulsory education. So part of the bargain is you're compelled to come and attend, and then the state uh, or the teachers as part of the state. Uh, are compelled to guarantee that you're learning. Right. And I don't think that compulsion exists on either side, per se, in, in higher education. No, yeah, and, and, and again, the responsibility, as we've talked before, falls differently, so that if the way I instruct my classes is not a good, does not work, either you have a legitimate, recognized, like, learning uh, disability that needs accommodations, which case I will be notified and then I am bound to to accommodate. Then you are compelled, ways. yeah. And I am compelled. Yeah, but reasonable. Or, or it's a preference, yeah, reasonable. Or it's a preference, in which case I am not required to a, bend over backwards to yeah. do that. If it's re I would personally, if it's reasonable, I'll do it. Otherwise, it falls on the student to then go back yeah. through and do it the way that they want to do it. And there's the, there's the underlying agreement again, is that uh, my students who are under 18 are going to a neighborhood school that has to be provided, mm -hmm. whether there's other options, charter, whatever have you, or not. The state has to provide a local neighborhood school um, education plan. And, you know, you have to attend, or you know, if you have other options, you can do other options. But if I'm attending college, I have, I'm... I'm no longer having education decisions made by the state for me, uh, by you know, by legal com compellingness, and and now I have self-selected to attend X college or that university or this program or Wyotech or whatever it is, and I've self-selected. I've paid for the privilege of showing up. I've self-selected if I'm going to come on Wednesday when it's cold. I've self-selected if I'm going to choose nursing and education and da da da. So these students once again have to be reminded or become aware that they're no longer compulsory students. They're self-selected to arrive, and if the learning mode is not their their bag of the month, they can go theoretically. Now this is being a little bit uh, petty, but they can go select a different college, and that's a, you know that's not a truly accurate statement, but. Right. It, it's more so accurate than saying like, oh, well, you could just pick any school in the in the city that you live in. Well, no, that's not truly the case all the time. Right. So some of this, at least when I hear sometimes, you know, students like to be like, well, I pay to be here. And so you need to help me learn. 
Yeah, that's the sort of service mm-hmm. view of it, that I am well, providing a service. Yeah, and I understand that, like, you know, public schools are funded by taxes, and like, well, my parents pay for this, essentially, and la, 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 so that might be some of it. But yeah, but now that there's real money on the line, they're sort of expecting some sort of, you know, I guess, product. Uh, and and sometimes it's like, well, I'm the one who's paying to be here. Shouldn't you be, like, helping me get this well, I need to do. And to remind listeners, as we've said, I'm sure many times, is from the faculty, and I think the administration as well, you are paying for the privilege of access to me. Yeah. You're not paying for an outcome. You're not paying for me to give you an A. You're paying to be able to ask me about the, the subject and have me give you feedback, in, ter- in either feedback or grades, in how you're doing in that subject. So if you're paying all this money, you should be showing up to my office hours, you should be making appointments outside my office hours. I mean, I should be seeing your face all the time. If the amount of money that you're paying, you feel should give you like that amount of uh, face time and feedback from me, then yeah, show up and and we'll do it. I think that's what I've I've heard said about um, universities and, and specifically it was, I think it was Harvard was being, reference to this one was like you can pay to get in but you can't pay to get out that's not how it works <laughs> yeah I like, oh, that. I like that i was a little slow on that one man i'm tired <laughs> i was like what oh well and then sometimes we're like well this is your job you get paid to teach and i'm telling you that i'm not learning how i should you know what i mean and i'm like okay now you're playing on my like my emotions there because you know that i care about teaching you right. know i care that people learn that's true but you know if i'm a plumber and I'm doing the plumbing in somebody's house, and they're all like, well, I'm paying you to pl- plumb my house, and I don't like the way this looks. Like, I'm a plumber. My expertise is to run the pipes appropriately, regardless of what you think looks nice. I have to do it to code. I have to do it so it works, you know, so it's not going to just explode next time you flush the toilet. Like, I'll run that pipe there. We'll see what happens. Right. So, so on the other hand, it's like, I, I understand the concern, and I'm not, not that I want to discount that if you're not doing as well or learning as much in a class as you, as you want to or thought you would, but that doesn't mean that, you, that as a student you have the perspective that a teacher has uh, to give what? instruction in a, in a way that's going to be effective. Again, what feels comfortable to a student is often not the most effective way. Well, and I think that, that that's a, 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 there's a more to that topic there that kind of opens up the, the idea of the community having trust in the education professionals, mm-hmm. where yeah. at the K-12 level, that's, that's, uh, it's not as strong as, as we think it was back in the day, right, where oh, we, we always trusted the teacher and we're always on the side of the teacher and the educator. And, and so that's kind of bubbled up to higher ed where, you know, I don't necessarily have trust that my professor, my educator is making the top quality decisions for me. And then once again, I say, well, you've selected to go here. If you want to, if you have no trust, then why have you paid? Pay to go to Harvard where you trust that this professor is, oh, wait, yeah, that's not the only, yeah. Not everybody can. I'm being yeah. a little facetious, but but at the same time, like you know, there's there is that aspect of that facet of of um, lack of trust in it in the way that, you know you don't always trust your car mechanic to be <laughs> working for you. You should find a good mechanic then. Don't go to that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then now that you're a uh, age of majority adult, you can go select a different car mechanic or a different university or, or you know professor. Or a big enough school, a different yeah professor or yeah. A different and agent. it's not. To, I don't mean to imply that there's like this 
free market of, of uh, education options smorgasbord that everybody has. That's not the truth either. But it's it's what it's there's much more of a of a freedom of marketplace for higher ed than there is for K twelve, where you're kind of locked into the the spot where your house is sitting. Yeah. Well, I think one thing that has been kind of kicking around in my head, just in terms of like trying to meet the needs of my students, which is something I actually think about, but <laughs> this like change um, and like adjusting teaching and like lessons and classrooms and approaches, it takes time. And I can't, I mean, I can, I would not want to do this, but. I can't overhaul a class completely and reframe it in just one singular semester based on, you know, because I was thinking we went to that Google Summit and the whole gamification thing was part of it. But as I started thinking about applying that to my class, it was going to take months of preparation and, you know, I have to read and really think about it and consider it. And those kinds of things, it's not as easy as, it's not easy to make changes like, oh, well, this will be, so, and then things fall out of favor. Right. right, so the gamification thing was really hot that year. We went to that thing, and it's still happening in some places, but I haven't seen it like explode like it, it seemed like it might. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have to be careful too, not to jump on bandwagons, but also we need time to develop new strategies and new approaches, and it just can't happen from one class period to another, or even one semester to another. Not for me. Yeah, and that's that. Okay, and so this is bringing up to me the idea of education as a as a industry where. Um, <clears throat> the widgets come in, and we we fill up the the hole with knowledge, and then we spit them out the back like, uh, and and everybody's uniform, and every teacher is uniform, which is a fallacy, right? That yeah. so it's bringing into the gamification. Let's say that it had awesome research results, and it was really fantastic strategy. Well gamification in my classroom is going to look different than yours because mm-hmm. of my personality as a teacher. And I think that's forgotten a lot of the times is that a teacher is a human and has a personality and we're not just a bunch of, you know, um, education robots that just kind of deliver deliver curriculum and uh, chapter one today, tomorrow chapter two. Like that's, that's not, um, there's not this industry model of, of education is kind of a um, misperception that, that gives all of these... Uh, wrong ideas, I suppose. Yeah, education is an assembly line. Yeah. As right. every person interchangeable. Yeah, because that's that's absolutely true. That things that'll work for me won't work for Melody. Yeah, <coughs> I think we've moved away from the idea that students are interchangeable, but I don't think we've moved away from the idea that teachers delivering content are are not interchangeable. You know, that we just pop in so and so in the classroom, and they're going to get the same quality math instruction in Algebra One for the year as this other teacher and um and and again because of personality because of you know uh, the way that this entire 36 students class interacts with each other and with the teacher and um it's it's not a perfect science yeah that is for sure yeah there's there's a lot of a lot of complexity to it which i guess is kind of the takeaway and some you know what i mean like i know maybe you don't think that I, so I didn't print my assignment sheet for like the first time in a long time, and I had two people 
who didn't go print it themselves. And I went over it in class, I projected it and went over it, but it was my fault that they didn't go, you know what I mean? They're like, well, your assignment sheet was confusing. I didn't get a copy of it. And I'm like, it's available for you to print. <laughs> but you know what I mean? So like, you know, it's complex. And I was just trying to see if, you know, whenever I print it off, use all my copy budget, I asked them to look at it in class, they're still not following it. So then I'm like, well, maybe I don't really need to print it. The results are the same. So I'm just trying to figure things out, too. Right. And sometimes it is missed. It's not always a hit. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we sometimes we learn. I mean, I tell my students, we learn more from our failures and our mistakes. I mean, it's not comfortable, but certainly, like, I will I will learn a lot about what will work in my class with a failure, <laughs> with, a, yeah. with a big failure. Um, but also, like, we spend a lot of time, I feel like, at the beginning of, you know, early episodes of podcasts, being like, Professors, individuals treat us as people. Address, you know, approach us as a person, not as you know the role, and that holds true here. You know, the the kind of instruction that that each of us can provide uh, smoothly and reasonably is different because we're different people, and therefore the the mix of tools and techniques that are going to work well in our classrooms are different. And because it works well for Melody doesn't mean it's going to work well for me. Well, we've literally taught the same curriculum. You know what I mean? But like, I'm sure our classes are I'm very sure different. I'm sure they're very different. <laughs> but we were teaching it at the same time with the same slides and the same handouts. And I'm sure that if you had asked our students when they walked out what they learned today, we would get, well, different students say different things, but right. I'm sure you emphasize different things than I emphasize. So. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think my, my thought just now is that the response to students who say my learning style is X and you're teaching Y, and instead of coming at you and saying, well, you need to change for me, uh, maybe the solution is not to say that we ignore the problem, but the, the solution is supplementing. Like yeah. I'm going to Professor Highland, I'm learning physics from him in style A, and my learning style is B, so I'm going to go supplement with the learning center or the study hall or the whatever, or if you have the, f the resources for it, then you, you pay a tutor, and then you are paying for results, and they better actually make sure you learn and change their teaching <laughs> right. style because you're paying them for that product, right? Um, so I don't know, you know, and, the, and we have talked in the past about other episodes about um, the resources on campus for supplementing the instruction I'm getting at, at university. Yeah. Well, and sometimes students will come to me and they're like, I just don't, I just can't really get this. Do you have any ideas? And I do have so usually some other suggestions that might not be appropriate for the whole class or that it's just something that I'm like, well, I came across this, but I ultimately decided not to use it, but maybe it works for you. And so I can share resources or give them ideas. Sometimes they're like, I just don't understand this. And I'm like, have you ever thought about putting the PDF through like a thing that will read it out loud to you? Or whatever, you know, right. they're like, oh, no, I never thought about that. Or, yeah. or like, I don't know how to do that for free. And I'm like, well, I can probably help you figure that out, or I can get you to somebody who can. And so, I mean, don't be, I mean, you can come and ask, but don't be like, this is horrible, you need to fix this, and I can't learn, blah, blah, blah. Right, I mean, while I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, like, treating me as a role, and especially in a, as a service pro pro professional means making demands of me. Mm -hmm. Treating me as an individual and in not a service industry means having a conversation with yeah. me. You know, trying, you know, treating me as a resource to yeah. plumb for, for help yeah. as opposed to like a machine where I've inserted the money, I've pressed the button, I want I'm the thing. I'm giving my damn coat. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 
yeah, and it's the difference between asking for help and demanding change. Yeah. yeah. Well, and most times students are like, do you have any suggestions for how to, and I'm like, yep, I do. I have several. Usually I have lots of things that go into my planning that don't actually make it into the slides or the handouts or whatever. I think, you know, in my head, I'm, again, I'm thinking of just like, and we may have mentioned it on here before, about think of your relationship with your coach on your team um, or your, uh, in, in my head, it's my music teacher. Mm-hmm. That relationship was definitely not, we're not peers, we're not equals, but I know he's an individual and, or, or she's an individual, and, and, but I'm asking for advice, I'm asking for coaching. How do I get better at this skill? And, and my conversations are not like, well, you need to teach me music better, you need to teach me sports better. It's like, what films do I watch so that I can get better at quarterbacking or whatever? You know what I mean? Like, you're asking for coaching advice and help. Right. Rather than, rather than, um, you know, I'm just gonna. I just want to sit here while you teach better. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You don't demand anything of your coach. I've never not, met an athlete not, who would. Not for long. I mean, unless you. No, they coaches don't take their shirt. Yeah. Unless you get a lot of game time if you're if you're trying to do that. Yeah, you better be a star player. Yeah. I yeah, I would say I think LeBron James can demand things from his coach, but maybe. That's not. Well, I mean, uh, you know, the exception that proves the rule. Uh, so, adults, students are adults. <laughs> oh, my goodness, I just... You're like, age, adults. No, something, <laughs> something. It's a, demanding change doesn't work very well because we're in a different situation than we are when we're in high school. And requesting help is almost always going to work. But again, adults can make decisions in full knowledge of the consequences, which means that you don't have to go to every class if you don't if there if you have a reason not to or if you just are willing to accept those consequences. Yeah, maybe we should edit that out of the podcast though. Yeah. We don't we don't want them to know they don't have to come. I mean, if there's consequences involved, you just you do you have to shoulder those consequences. If you're like I'm not going to show up to class and there are no consequences associated with it. Mm-hmm. Hey, I mean, that's 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 the that's how it is. There's probably going to be a consequence, even if it's not an attendance policy, because you're probably going to have to take a test or write a paper. And you may not have gotten sort yeah. of the more detailed instructions. That happens a lot in my classes when yeah. people ask questions. I'll go into more detail. If you're not there, you don't get it. Right. So then you show up like, "There's a test today." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how do we do this? We never cover this. Well, we did two days ago. <laughs> We covered that no, in class. we covered it. <laughs> you <laughs> did not. You know, so if you're willing to shoulder those consequences, then... Then do what you want. Do what, yeah, it's, it's your life. You're an adult. You get to make that choice. You, you know. can tell that we have a totally different state of mind than Drew. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're like, no, do mean, what you want. I mean, well, no, that, that makes sense. If, uh, if you're, you know, a newly minted college student and you're saying like, hey, I want some advice on this. This is my current decision. Do you think this is okay? And they're going to go. But who do you go ask for that advice? Are you asking your roommate and your friend who is yeah. like, yeah, let's go to do this no. thing? Just really a bad idea. Then, or do you have a team around you where you're asking advice and getting good decision-making support from like, I don't know, grown-ups who, who have... Older adults. Yeah. Yeah. Grown up don't ask your roommate. They don't know anything. Yeah, so I think that's a fine um, attitude to have and say, like, look, you're, you're capable of making your own decision on the consequences, and if you're able to and capable of, yeah, um, hurry up, and I, I, I missed a day of instruction, so I'm going to catch up by hitting somebody else's notes and going to study guide on, on Saturday instead, 
you can make that decision if you're fully informed, but that's assuming that you've been, you know, semi-fully informed and not just, like, uh, fooling yourself magical thinking into believing you're going to be, you know, fine with it. Right. Go. Okay, we'll wrap it up there. Go. So, bye. See everyone next week. <laughs> I gotta go out in the cold. My face is gonna freeze off. I didn't have to go you made you, you made this decision. I have on a yeah, scarf, yeah, so it's fine. Take an Uber home, you know. <laughs> All right. If you have anything that you uh, like us to talk about, you can reach me on Twitter. I'm at, I'm at Dr. Highland, D-O-C-T-O-R-H-Y-L-E-N-D, or send me an email, peter.o.highland, H-Y-L-E-N-D, at gmail.com. Bye. Bye.